We're with our favorite child psychologist, Dr. Katiana Azman, this morning. Now, today we're going to talk about the importance of play, especially yes. for children. So, yes. first of all, what are some of the benefits of play for children? Well, we kind of have to look to, again, sort of like how their brain is developing, right? So sort of in the earlier stages of childhood, the human brain is doing a lot of growing. So prior to the age of five, your brain is doing this probably the most rapid amount of growing that it will be doing for the rest of your lifespan. Um, and up to the, by the time you hit five, they say that 90% of the human brain is fully developed with the remaining 10 slowly kind of growing until you're about the age of about 28 or 29. So what, um, play actually does is that it allows that uh, it allows us to actually learn about the world around us because the parts of the brain that are responsible for understanding verbal instruction um, understanding problem solving or that there are the, uh, that there are long-term consequences for mm. actions all of that is still very much developing and so play allows us to bridge that gap between what our brain is capable of learning at that age with actual um uh, int introduction of knowledge. And what I think a lot of people tend to overlook is that play is not just about physical you know, development. Exactly. You're learning about sensory skills. You're learning about colors. You're learning about textures. You're learning about um, problem solving, how things work. You're learning about how to interact with another you know, individual if you're playing in a group or you're learning how to be responsible for things if it's your toys. So there's a lot of benefits to play, especially for young children. But can lack of play affect Ooh. a child's development? If a child has not been played with or mm -hmm. have things to play with, um, mm -hmm. can it affect their development as a whole? Absolutely. So there's a lot of research that has been done into the impact of play, especially in sort of like the infancy toddler stages. Um, and they found that there's a lot of negative side effects. Um, of course, we're not saying that they won't develop into functional human beings, of course not. But there are certain things that would be a challenge. So for example, fine motor skills might not be as developed. Um, if you're talking about sort of the interaction skills, um, there were quite a, a number of studies being conducted, I believe, in sort of like the 80s. I think, um, that looked at the impact of children who grew up in orphanages yeah. um, and how the lack of interaction affects their social development, their emotional development, even their gross motor skills. Um, and it wasn't very positive what the findings were because the children in those environments were often left in a cot all day, were never cuddled, were never given toys. Um, and so those are the types of things that I think have put a lot of support towards play. Um, but I think that, you know, generally, it's more just the fact that we are providing our children with a platform with which their brain um, is uh, can respond more effectively, because it's kind of, you know, if anyone who has a toddler at home, try kind of giving your child verbal instructions, it's probably not going to be very successful. Yeah. Um, and that's just because of the way the brain is doing all this growing and putting two and two together. So play kind of does that really, really well. Speaking of toys, right? I mean, yeah. The toy industry, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And <laughs> yes. like, I have a mountain of toys, you know, set up for my child. Yes. How important is it for our children, especially the younger children, to play with toys? Mm. It's 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 really really important because of course we have to look at the nature of the toys right um, so depending on the level of their development um, there are toys that are more appropriate so for example children who are sort of probably around the ages of one and one and below um, things with a lot of, with a lot of bright colors uh, things with no detachable pieces that they might put in their 
our mouth. Yeah. Uh, those are the types of things that we'll be looking at and things that focus on more gross motor skills because their fine motor won't be as developed at that age. So oftentimes you'll see toys that involve big buttons that they can press with the palm of their hand and grasping and things like that. Um, but as they get older, those toys need to adapt and change because the other function of toys is also stimulating them. Right, so either from a sensory perspective or from a thinking perspective. If you give a six-year-old a toddler's toy, there's a very big possibility that you are understimulating them because mm -hmm. at that stage, their part, of the, their brains are kind of um, developing more problem-solving skills. Um, and so, if you're giving them something that's kind of very one-dimensional, it's not doing what it's probably designed to do. Um, and so, it is very important to find toys that are um, appropriate given their age. And then, conversely, if you're giving a toddler something that's designed for a twelve year old it, it wouldn't be effective as well yeah. so um i think that toys uh, teach kids a lot more things than parents really realize because i think as adults we might not see the benefits of it because we're like i don't know how this works um but for kids it's definitely really important because it's teaching them multifaceted skills um and it's not just about pressing a button even though that's might that might be what it looks like for us yeah yeah speaking of so, pressing a button though nowadays young kids they play a lot with uh -huh. Tech only though. Gadgets, that, yeah. yeah gadgets. Is that a yes. good thing? It's actually not. Um, we we within the uh, medical slash mental health community are actually not a big fan of, of devices for kids. Um, in fact, uh, my hospital is super strict and we actually have a policy that my, that my pediatrician colleagues have told me where they tell parents with children under the age of two, like zero screen time. So we're not, we're saying no TV, no iPad, no phones, nothing if you're under the age of two. Um, and up to the age of five, you should only be using uh, your tablet once, uh, one hour a day. So um, I think that, you know, we are seeing a trend with regards to children who are just being given devices where fine motor skills are not the best uh, because they're just literally using this function most of the time. Yeah. Just that um, one index finger. Yes, that one index finger. It's crazy. I see like toddlers like immediately knowing how to unlock an, a, a, a device <laughs> and it just blows my mind. Um, but, you know, fine motor skills are not being developed as well, uh, not being developed um, as it should. Um, we're seeing a lot of sort of sensory issues. Um, I think out of the 10, out of 10 children I see in the clinic, I'm seeing sensory issues in about six to seven of them. So it's Whoa. becoming extreme. What does that mean, sensory issues? So sensory processing dysregulation or sensory processing disorder is a condition where the brain kind of learns about the sensory world slightly backward. Um, it's not caused by brain damage or anything. Um, we don't fully understand why it happens but the theory is that children are not being exposed to the senses as much as when our generation was growing up and climbing trees and rolling in the mud so our brain doesn't have the stimuli and so when we're getting the stimuli it kind of um connects the brain kind of connects the wires a bit differently so we're getting kids who are responding very adversely to sounds and smells and tastes and textures and lights or, or, or visual sort of cues um to the point where it can actually affect focus, um, it can affect um, behavior. Um, some kids will do something called sensory seeking where they will go out and try to get that stimulation because they're kind of like numbed out. Um, so it's, it's not a debilitating condition, but it can really affect functioning. And I'm seeing a lot of kids off late um, coming in with all of these sensory issues. And I think part of it is just also because we're not really exposing our kids to um, the sensory world that's why you see this trend of parents doing a lot of sensory play or messy play um, and that was kind of like the latest movement to counteract that and oh. so so screen time really kind of affects it because you're not getting 
the benefit of sensory in information, you're just rubbing your finger against a glass. Um, there's also the fact that you're also effect, um, exposing your children to a lot of sort of those flashing images. Um, and one of the things I've also found not so great is that because of the way that the screens and the videos and the games work, it triggers the part of your child's brain that demands instant gratification. So you get kids who are already naturally very impulsive, a lot more impulsive than they usually are. So I'm not a big fan of screens. I understand that it fulfills a purpose for some parents who are just like, I can't go through mealtime without a screen. Um, I understand that it, it you know, definitely fulfills a purpose, but it doesn't replace the presence of actual like toys. That's so scary. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now I have to go and check my four-year-old, see whether he has some sensory issues or not. But um, yeah. let's get back to play, Dr. Katiana. Um, mm. How important is it for parents mm. to play along with their children mm -hmm. or uh, other children playing with our children? Really important. So that goes back to kind of this, the socialization or the social development component, right? Which is something that is so important in kids because moving on from play-based learning, the next sort of area with which that uh, with which kids learn is socializing, right? Or through, mm. or through, or through their interaction with their yeah. peers. And so that's kind of like the next stage as they move into primary school and high school. So you know, not giving them the building blocks for that can be really, really debilitating for them. So one is teaching them social skills. Um, it's teaching them things like sharing, right? Which kids do struggle with generally. Um, it's also teaching them, um, it's also kind of helping with the bonding, I feel, um, especially if you have younger children, um, because that is still something that is so important. Your kids will remember um, the types of interactions and the types of activities that you do with them uh, more than they would sort of the things you buy them, right? So yeah. that's kind of why it's so important I tell parents to be able to be involved. Um, you don't have to um, dedicate hours and hours and hours if you don't have it, but you should at least be able to interact because your kids, especially the little ones, would probably kind of take your cues on how to do things, right? So again, if we're giving them, for example, building blocks, something very, very basic, your child would probably only know how to maybe bang them together or to kind of like scatter them around. They probably don't have the problem-solving skills to be able to think about building a tower or doing things like that. And that's where your um, role can actually help guide them in that area. So you're giving them ideas that they might not generally or organically have because mm -hmm. of their age. So yeah, it's, it's super important for multiple reasons. How about playing with like no toys? Like for example, mm. playing catch or mm -hmm. playing like family, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. I think my son is quite into playing family now. Like mm -hmm. he'll pretend he's the brother or he'll <laughs> pretend he's the daddy, you know, yeah, and you yeah. are the mommy and yeah. Oh, bless him. Yeah, that's actually really good because, you know, the other thing that play does and, and so irrespective of whether you have toys or not, uh, play also helps with what um, developing on creativity and imagination, which is an age-appropriate skill skill. So look, whether a child is able to imaginary play is actually a criteria when we assess for whether the child is developing appropriately. Mm. So children who don't know how to play, you know, do, sort of like do your tea parties and do things like that, have imaginary play, um, are not meeting certain developmental milestones. So it is a sort of a red flag. So children who are able to play sort of in this imaginary sense, being very creative is actually a really, really good thing. 
And so, you know, I, I tell parents, it really isn't about saying that you have to have the coolest, most expensive toys. Um, some of my families who don't who can't afford it have a lot of toys that they've made out of the kitchen you know things with like beads and you know like uh lolly sticks and things like that which is kind of like what we grew up with more than you know back when we did have all these cool toys yeah. um so it you know it i think that the main focus is play right secondary to play with toys and with some type of tool and then third is play with some type of device so that's kind of how i would look at it in a hierarchy if i could okay but how about older kids then katiana mm. like uh for example they've reached a certain age teenagers mm. all they want to play with are video games computer mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. is that still important when they reach the teenage years Yes, it's still important. Um, like I said, you know, we are a little bit more accepting of the role of technology as they kind of reach the teenage years. Um, I have some families who tell me that if they choose not to give their child a device or access to online games, they kind of get ostracized because mm-hmm. socially that's what all the kids in that bracket are doing. Yeah. So as they get older, it is definitely more acceptable for them to be uh, playing sort of more online related games. Um, but if you kind of reflect back on when it was sort of our generation when we didn't have online games as much we were playing you know we were congregating and playing board games we were congregating and playing you know uh, team sports mm-hmm. um and so it's it's really a, important because you're still learning a lot of things from play but i think it sort of shifts more towards the co- the socialization component the teamwork component if they're playing things in um in in groups so I'm actually a really big fan in incorporating play uh, for as long as humanly possible. Um, so I I do still get very stressed when I see parents say to me that their kids go to school and come home at like 3, 4 p.m. and then they're doing tuition and extra classes till they go to bed and they don't have a single time to kind of play and de-stress and do things like that. It's still really, really important even if you're dealing with a teenager. Okay. But is there such a thing? But is there such a thing as too much play? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I think for it depends on the age for sure. Um, with toddlers, I don't think so. I personally don't think there's anything uh, such as too much play for a toddler. Um, for a child who hasn't started primary, um, I'm a big supporter of play based learning at that age. Mm-hmm. So I often tell parents to be very wary of sending their children to institutions or to organizations that focus on a lot of academics at that age um you know i i had a case a few years ago where i had a little girl who was three years old who come to me because the teacher said she couldn't do three hours of written work and that was a problem by the school standards three and hours i can't do three hours of written work thank you that's exactly what i said to the parents when she showed up um and so I think that, you know, I'm a big fan of sort of play-based learning because it engages their attention a lot longer and it has all these benefits. But once, of course, they start primary, there are, there are going to be responsibilities that they have to engage. I would still be leaning towards more play-based as compared to a majority of academics. But I say once they reach sort of upper primary, you have the permission to kind of start weaning back on play. So by the time your child reaches high school level, they should be, of course, majority would be sort of day-to-day life skills, um, learning and things like that. And then play being more of a minority. Um, mm. But when they're that young, before primary school or sort of early primary, I don't think there's, just, there's such a thing. <laughs> that's too much play. Actually, yeah, then when they get yeah. to their teenage years, they'll be like, stop playing your video games. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, I, I'm just wondering, 
do kids who are like uh, the only child, right? Mm. Where uh, they have to have like a, I have to go out and play with my friends and everything mm. compared to kids who have brothers and sisters where they're playing constantly. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in how they develop? Um, yeah, there are some there are some differences um, just because they're not getting maybe as much peer interaction as they would if they're in a household full of adults. Um, this is not backed by science, this is from observation. But what I've noticed is that a lot of these kids who grow up without siblings will often have very different speech skills because they're around adults more of the time. So their language um, uh, skills will be slightly different as compared to kids who had more peers or more kids growing up. So things like that would be different. Um, so, you know, I, I think it really depends on the access. I do have some clients, for example, um, who only have one child and maybe the child is still kind of on the younger side and they choose not to send their kids to, to preschool. And so the child is only at home with mom or dad all day. And definitely their social skills are very much impacted as compared to kids with siblings. So, you know, it, it, it definitely is an issue. So if you are the kind of parent where you have a single, you have just have one child, but you're allowing your child to engage socially as much as they can, either with neighbors, kids, with cousins, with, you know, a play group, then you're good. Um, so it just really, it really depends on kind of the amount of interaction that they're getting. How about, um, can, can, can children actually play with toys on their own? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's yeah. actually really, um, it's actually, um, okay if they can play on their own um there's actually one of the milestones that we look at is whether a child can organize their play independently that's a milestone that we look for in children i believe when they've reached about three or four years old meaning that they don't kind of rely on you to tell them what to play Um, they should be able to initiate play on their own Um, so it is good if they can play by themselves but what is important is that they do not um favor or prefer it that would be another um red flag to look for is if a child is averse to any type of socialization so say Uh he's playing by himself and then you come over or someone else comes over and he kind of just like turns his body away and it's just like nope you know that Uh is something that is atypical so we'd want to make sure that yeah he's happy to play by himself he's happy to play with someone else he might struggle with sharing that's okay but if he's averse and seems almost afraid of um socialization then that's an issue so but it's okay if he can play by himself yeah yeah because like i'm like i'll tell my son i buy all these toys for you (laughs) to play on your own yeah (laughs) and he can play on his own for a little while and then after that he was like mommy can you play with he's four right yes he's four. yes so attention span it's attention span at four is probably about as big as a teaspoon um they they really can't um do things um on their own for an extended period of time they will try to get people and the fact that he comes to you and be like mommy play with me is a good sign right Um, but yeah his attention span will grow as he ages but for now it's probably going to be about mm, a couple of minutes if you're lucky I worry because that's me (laughs) you haven't grown out of that phase yet huh? he hasn't hasn't gone past that phase yet (laughs) now Katiana any last words any any last advice for parents with regards to the importance of play 
you know, I tell parents this all the time, you know, play is ridiculously important. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, focus on academics and learning, but you can also do that with play. And in fact, you'll probably find it more effective integrating learning or topics into play as you would sitting your child down with a book and expecting him or her to read it, especially when they're quite young. So, um, and again, it's irrespective of whether you have the actual toys, you can actually cultivate these things at home using very um, accessible ingredients. Like you said, it doesn't even have to be with toys. If you can't afford it, you can just be sort of like one-to-one interaction with your child. Um, But play is something that is so important um, for your child's physical, emotional, social, and cognitive development, every single area on the spectrum that we look at. Um, And so regardless of how old your child is, you need to make sure that your child has time to play um, because that will um, ensure that they turn out a lot happier, a lot more well-adjusted, and a lot more prepped to learn about the real world. So, yeah. Actually, (laughs) a lot of dads will want to know this. How young can, uh, or how old can they be before we start putting our sons especially into like those little boy football teams and everything oh i think it really just depends on interest right like i think if your child is showing interest in football or you know rugby or whatever when they're at a young age if it's safe for them then then go at it right um make sure you make it more about the game the, the, the sport and the fun rather than about winning maybe something that we have to reinforce right um, but I think it's it's really just start sort of as young as you can like I know some of my clients who've got kids as young as like two or three who are interested in golf and they've started that um, yeah I've got some yeah some kids start like golf at two or three um, I've got some kids yeah who are in those little league football games and baseball games and so I think if your child expresses an interest, then, you know, if it's safe for them, like I probably wouldn't enroll a toddler in rugby just because of, you know, the, the contact, but if it's safe for them and they enjoy it and it's something that you can participate in because of a mutual interest, then it's a good idea. Oh, he's mute. Unmute, unmute. Unmute, unmute. <laughs> team sports or individual sports is better because team teaches yeah. them to be in a team and also teaches yes. about hierarchy and to listen yes. to instructions and stuff like that, right? Yes. So team sports, if you can, if you can um, uh, pull it off, I would prioritize team sports because of all the things that you mentioned. Um, yes, there are solo sports that kids can still do if it's about kind of teaching them other skills, but based on the age, it's socialization and teamwork um, and listening to instructions is something that's sort of a really major factor or main factor. So team sports, if you can, if if they're interested, but at the very most, if your kid's not super social, um, like I've got some kids who favor things like swimming and all that, that's kind Mm -hmm. of like less, uh, you know, interactive, um, then they can do that, but make sure you still give them opportunities to socialize through other activities.